It is indeed, I think for many of us, not for all of us, but for many of us, a rare moment that we have silence and, and stillness. And so I appreciate those moments myself that, that we can gather. And we're going we're gonna to talk about that a little bit this morning. We're going to look at 1 Timothy chapter 2 as, as we do that. And I'm going to give you a moment, if you would like to, to open your Bibles to that letter. We talked about it last week. Uh, I do want to say as we talk about prayer, um, you know, and the things that, that we share, the, you know, last week I'd ask you to be in prayer for a lot of the ladies and a few of us guys that were away this weekend in uh, Orlando at Women of Faith and let you know that, that everybody made it back safe and sound. And I, I can't speak for everybody, but I know from conversations with many of the ladies, uh, it was a wonderful and a blessed weekend. So we thank you for that. Um, for your prayers. Now, you will notice one conspicuous absence uh, this morning, and that is Tony is not back. She is still in Orlando, uh, finishing up her work with Women of Faith. And then she and some of the girls that she works with are um, going to St. Petersburg Beach for the night. So we won't see her as family until tomorrow. Ryan and Cassie were like, why isn't she coming back till Monday? Because <laughs> she needs to get away from us for a few days. So, um, so and I'm, oh, we're hoping, I'm praying, because some of the girls uh, that come and work these events with her, as Tony does, Tony will be traveling a lot over these next few weeks. They come from around the country. So they came into Orlando for this event. Tony will be going to Minnesota and Pittsburgh and Hartford for events. And so, you know, they're enjoying coming to Florida and hoping to get a day of sun at the beach, and it's not looking real promising. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll hope it holds up for them. But uh, it does speak that sometimes we need to disconnect. And that's kind of a little bit of what we're going to talk about this morning. I want to, to read from chapter 2 of 1 Timothy, these first seven verses that Paul writes uh, to Timothy and to the church and that God speaks to us. I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed to at the proper time. And for the purpose, I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I am telling the truth. I am not lying. And a true and faithful teacher of the Gentiles. Brothers and sisters, we pray God add his blessing this morning to the reading of his word. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, that, that we would hear from your herald today, your, your voice to us that speaks truth. Your word and these words, that um, they would lift up the name of Christ. And in lifting him up, we would be drawn closer to you and to each other. In Christ Jesus we pray. Amen. I think anybody um, who has traveled knows the tags that you find inside of a hotel room, the door hangers. When you travel, you, you know that in every hotel I think I've ever been in, at least that I can think of, there are door hangers that you have an opportunity to put on the door. One may say, you know, please make up the room. 
But the most common is the door hanger that says what? Do not disturb. That you put on your door that says to hotel staff or to anybody, really, don't, don't disturb me. Don't, don't come knock. Don't come to make up the room. Don't, don't bother me right now. That's, that's what the do not disturb communicates. And it's, it's fun to pay attention. If you travel enough to kind of pay attention to the way that hotels are trying to get creative with their do not disturb signs. Some of them are just standard do not disturb. But some are trying to be more specific. Uh, or more unique in their property. There's one hotel I saw that has just uh, a tag that has a thumb up or a thumb down. You know, so it's a, you know, either thumb up, come make up the room, thumb down, go away. Uh, there, was, there was one, it's a hotel in Boston. I'm not familiar with it. Maybe some of you that have lived in that area. But it's a, it used to be a historic prison that was turned into a hotel. And so playing on that imagery and that, that history, instead of do not disturb, their tag says solitary. You know, just put the, the solitary. Embassy Suites, Suites does some creative stuff. My, the favorite one I've seen from them that says, in the process of constructing a pillow fort, please come back later. And I think those of us that remember our childhood that maybe did pillow and sheet forts and things like that uh, can remember those days. You get the idea. Ways to communicate. And then they're all basically saying the same thing. It's saying do not disturb. It's not just hotels. I have a, a friend of mine who is now pastor in Ormond Beach, but he served a church in Davenport until recently. And uh, I went and visited him one day and was, was learning. He's a very, very smart guy and, and was kind of picking his brain a little bit. But I noticed that in his office, he had a tag that he would hang on his door when he was doing sermon preparation and when he didn't want to be bothered. And the, the, the tag said, writing this week's sermon, if you bother me now, you will be responsible for this week's sermon stinking. <laughs> Again, creative way to say, don't bother me. And, and that's important. We all have moments like that. But, but I was fascinated that Another tag is the way the Sheraton has started wording theirs. Uh, we all stayed this week, and the ladies that went and stayed, and myself and Ryan and a few others were, were at the Wingate. Tony stayed at the Sheraton because the women of faith were put up close to the arena, and we stayed there last year. And I, I called her, and I said, Tony, I said, um, read me what the, the door tag says because I was trying to remember. And the one at the Sheraton says, do not disturb, need peace and quiet. Do not disturb, need peace and quiet. And, and I thought, what a wonderful kind of contrast there, because do not disturb basically is a way to say, this is what I want from you. If I, if I say, you know, do not disturb, what I'm asking you to do is to give me space, give me room, leave me alone. And you're asking that of me if, or anybody else if you put a do not disturb. So that's what I want of others. But seeking peace and quiet, that's what I want to experience myself. That's the why of do not disturb. I want some moments of peace and quiet. How many of us long for moments in our lives where we can experience peace and quiet? And most of the time, we picture that as a withdrawal, an opportunity to get away. As I, as I talk about seeking peace and quiet and the craziness of our lives, 
the probably things in your life that you're thinking of, circumstances and situation and challenges you face, not bad things necessarily, but things that happen that you sometimes really wish you could disconnect from. It, it reminded me, a few weeks ago, you remember I did, the, you know, I talked about the Freshen Up Bubblegum in the 70s, the campaign that started in the 70s. Well, there was another advertising campaign I remembered from my childhood. See if, see if you remember this. It, it was a commercial, and it started with a woman in the center of the screen, and she looked a little frazzled. Her hair was kind of, you know, like she'd been kind of through a tough day. And then if, if you imagine the screen sectioned into four, four sections, it said, the traffic, an image of traffic bubble, the traffic, the boss, the kids, the dog, and then there was a famous tagline. Anybody remember what I'm talking about? Calgon, take me away. If you remember that. And then, then the next scene was the woman in a bubble bath in this ginormous tub, you know, overlooking like this picturesque Pacific Ocean scene, you know, kind of thing with big windows, you know, no bathroom I've ever seen, but that's what she was in. And the idea was Calgon can take me away and give me moments of peace and quiet and, and withdrawal. We look for those moments. We, we seek those and, and um, vacation spots and, and resorts will, will advertise, you know, come and experience peace and, and serenity and, and, and disconnect. And that is so important for us. The reason it's such a significant theme is because we live in a time that I think it is harder and harder for us to disconnect. We live in a time when we are radically connected and deeply connected in so many ways, I think in ways we never have been historically. Now, I'm not saying deeper in the sense that the connections are more meaningful than they've ever been. In some ways, I think what has happened is our connections have gotten wider and the depth has gotten shallower. I mean, we're connected electronically, and we're connected through social media, and we're connected through Facebook, and we're connected through Twitter. And there is nothing wrong with any of those things. I do all of those things. But we have a harder time ever being in a place where we're not reachable. We can't be bothered and um, communicated with in some way or another. I was driving home yesterday in the car and, and having phone conversations because something was going on. No, nothing wrong. I was talking to other people and we were trying to, you know, but even in the car driving home, I was reachable. And then I started getting texts. And so now I'm driving. So just so you know, Ryan was in the front seat. So I was handing him the phone to read the text to me. And, and again, it just reminded me, we're, we're so rarely ever disconnected nowadays. You know, we're, we're constant. We come into church. What do we do? We, we silence our cell phones. We put them on vibrate most of the time. If we remember, sometimes we don't remember, and we hear them all go off. And that happens. I've done that too. A couple weeks ago, I was up here. My cell phone is under the pulpit because that's, there's a secret kind of, well, it's not secret anymore. Um, there's, a, there's a hole in here, and I'll shove keys and, and wallets and cell phone under there. And I'm up here, and I'm, and I'm preaching and I'm hearing the vibration. It was rattling against my keys. And I'm like, who the heck is trying to reach me at 11 o'clock? Who doesn't know where I am on a Sunday morning? <laughs> but but the, the fact is, you know, we, that, that's, that's our reality. We're just always connected. 
I remember as a, as a kid growing up, some of you remember that when you'd go to hotels or maybe traveling with your family or going whatever, one of the things they used to advertise as an advertising point of a hotel was cable TV available or free cable TV. You remember that? Free HBO, free whatever package. That's how they used to kind of advertise to try to get you to stay. Now, you're not going to see that much anymore, you know, which is now see free Wi-Fi. Free Wi-Fi. That's, that's what you see because when we went, again, this weekend to the Wyndham, one of the questions both Ryan and Cassie asked me when we got there, do they have Wi-Fi? Can we get our tablets? Can we get our phones hooked up? Because we're connected. Ryan and I hit a crisis. We had a genuine crisis because we went and we thought we'd be sharing a room. And then at the last minute, we changed room assignments. And so Ryan and I were not in the same room, but we had only packed one phone charger. So Friday night, we're trying to negotiate how we can get our cell phones charged up because, heaven forbid, we go all day Saturday with a low battery. You know, that's the world we live in. And then this morning, and I, I kid you not, I, I'm, uh, this, this is the honest-to-goodness truth. It was 7.10. I was doing some of my last-minute reviews of the sermon, and I was reading over that part, the cell phone part I'd written in because I have a manuscript and I write things out, and I got a text message. Now, I don't like text messages on Sunday morning before church because it's usually a problem. But it was a text message, and it was from John, who had stayed at the house Friday night for us to watch our dog. And his text message said, you might have noticed I left my phone charger at your house. Can you bring it with you? Because we don't want to lose that connection. Again, there is nothing wrong with that. I, please hear what I'm saying. That's... That's, that's not in and of itself bad. But the danger is that we have very few moments in our lives where we disconnect. Connection is okay. Modern technology is fine. It has value. It adds. It has its place. But we have few times in our lives anymore that we are unreachable, that we're disconnected, that we're away from those realities where we can experience quiet, where we can experience stillness. Even, even at um, Women of Faith this weekend, it was fascinating. Ryan and I, um, the, the, the arrangement on the floor where the, a lot of the ladies were sitting were chairs sort of like this. They were different kind of chairs, but they were chairs on the floor. And um, I got to my seat Friday night, and I was in the middle of one of the long rows. I was sitting next to my father. And what I realized immediately, we realized, is they had put these chairs and spaced these chairs with women in mind, meaning they were narrower and tighter than, than I mean, it was, it was squeezed, basically. We were sardined in, and, um, and it was a wonderful thing, but it was a little uncomfortable. So I decided on Saturday, I was like, you know what? I can listen to a speaker from anywhere in here. I don't have to be up close to the stage. So for some of the speakers, I went up in the arena up to the nosebleeds because there was nobody up there, and I could spread out. And so I went up there for, for one of the speakers, and I just went, just for fun, I went all the way to the top. I was on the back, back row. Truth be told, I guess I want to be confessing, I had my tablet, and I had my sermon notes for, for a moment, so I didn't want anybody seeing what I was doing behind me. And, um, but we're sitting up there, and Ryan came and found me. And we're sitting there, and one of the speakers, it was Holly Wagner for the ladies that were there, she said at one point, let's open your Bibles. And she said, if you don't have your Bibles with you, open your cell phones or your tablet, you know, to the Bible app. 
And, and I wasn't paying attention. Ryan says, Dad, look. And of course, it's dark in the arena. We're way up high. And the, the glows that were all around from the tablets and the cell phones that were opened up, it was, it was amazing. It was actually kind of cool to see that. Now, I was, I was too far. I was trying to see who was reading their Bible and who was playing Candy Crush. I couldn't tell. <laughs> couldn't tell. But again, and that's great. That's wonderful. But we need sometimes to disconnect. We need to experience what Paul talks about, which is a, lo- a life of peace and quietness. He works that into this part of his letter to Timothy. He says that you may experience it. He calls it a life of holiness, but it's a life of peace and quietness. And I'm thinking, you know, I could use a little bit of that. I could use a little bit of that in my life, but, but it means something a little different for us in Christ. And it comes to us with a little bit of int- intentionality and through a little bit of a different means. And that means that, cr- that God builds in for us to, to experience this is through prayer. It is through prayer. I want you to hear a slightly different version. Not much different. But this morning as I was getting ready, and I talk, you know, I talk a lot about being up early in the morning. And part of the reason I like the early morning is because it is quiet. It's the one time in our house that it's quiet. I'm the only one up. Now, I want to be confessional and honest with you. I'm not a a model for consistency on this. There are some days I get up and, and, and have that time, and there are some days the bed will not let me go. And I don't do it so well. And so... Again, I, I understand how hard that can be and to build that consistency, and I struggle with that. So, so I don't ever want you to think I've got this figured out. But, but I value the days that I do, and I wonder why I don't every day. You ever do that? You feel so good after you do that? Why don't I do that all the time? Why am I not consistent? Uh, that's the way I feel sometimes. But I was sitting in the quietness of the morning, and I grabbed this Bible. We have Bibles all over the office in our house, and I thought I was grabbing my Bible. I wasn't really paying attention. It was leather, and, and I opened it up, and I read it, and I realized it was a different kind of translation, and this is from The Voice, but I love the way it just started here. It says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, so first and foremost, I urge God's people to pray. Before he gets to the peace and quietness that is offered, he starts with this, I urge you to pray. And he goes on to say this, pray in petition, pray in thanksgiving, uh, uh, pray in um, requests, all the ways that we pray. This isn't to say there is a single way to pray, but pray. Verse 2, teach them to pray. That is the foundation for what sets up to pray for others. And, and, and do take note, he says to pray for kings and, and others in authority. Remember in the first century church that those kings and others in authority were not followers of Jesus. They were not kind to the Christian faith. They were not welcoming. What, what Paul's saying is pray for even those who are hard to pray for. Pray for those in authority. Pray for their wisdom. Um, pray for, basically, as, as he would mimic what Jesus teaches us when Jesus says pray for your enemies, here, here's the thing. Hear this. There's nobody that you're not to pray for. That's, that's basically what Paul's saying. There is not a human being on this planet that you can say, God does not want me to pray for that pe- person. There's some pretty people that do some terrible things that are hard to pray for, but, but you cannot come up to me and say, well, I don't think God wants me to pray for that person. 
or that leader or that all people. So let's pray. But pray becomes the foundation for the opportunity to hear God speak into our lives, peace and quiet. A lot of times I'll say to you, you know, we can pray anywhere. You can pray when you're driving with your eyes open. But you can pray when you're driving. You, you can pray when you're in the midst of a circumstance, in a situation, in a conversation. There's no moment you can't lift your heart and open yourself to the, to the presence of God. But don't ever hear me say that part of prayer, one of the gifts of prayer, one of the necessities of the Christian life is to find moments and opportunities, to take moments and opportunities to disconnect, to, to be quiet, to be still, to be maybe just for a few moments unreachable by others so you can be reachable by God. The early church and the first followers of Christ realized how important that was. Sometimes they took it to extremes. There are those stories of those hermits and those followers of Jesus that would, would go off and live in a cave by themselves and commune with God or go off into the woods and, and live by themselves. And, and then when the Christian community began to form um, religious communities and what we'd call monasteries, there were some that were established on the rhythm of quietness and stillness. And, and I've told you uh, the, the Trappist monasteries where, where in Gethsemane, where I went last year, where there was no talking. Once you got onto the grounds, no conversation. It was all quiet all the time. And, and that's more extreme than most of us are called to. It's not what I'm called to. But there are moments in my life that I need to learn from that example and remember that in the busyness and the craziness of life, God desires for me to disconnect from all of that so I can hear different things. I can hear from him. In the moments we sat here in the stillness with John playing and, and them playing, I, I heard the air conditioner. I heard the air conditioner run. I never hear the air conditioner run. But I heard it because other things fell away. Now, that's not the voice of God, but you hear different things. That's my point. I remember being at that monastery in the silence and sitting, and all of a sudden I heard the birds as I had not heard them before because the other noise started to fall away. We need moments in our lives where the other noise can fall away, even if it's just for a few moments, so that we can experience what Christ longs to give, which is his peace which is the peace that he speaks into our stillness. See, here's the difference from a Calgon worldview, Calgon take me away worldview. See, that understands peace as a disconnect from our problems, peace as the absence of our problems. That's not what Christ says. Christ teaches us that God's peace is not the absence of problem, but Christ's presence in the midst of them. That is very, very different. That is not a promise that peace means all of life smooths out and everything gets easy. Jesus said, in this life, you will have many hardships. There's a reason Christ says following me is a narrow way. But what our faith teaches us is that Christ speaks into those realities, into those difficulties, a peace and a presence that only comes through faith when we learn to hear his voice. I want you to, to, to hear what Paul wrote in Philippians. Let me flip back for just a moment to Philippians chapter 4. He says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, 
whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. I want you to think about for a moment what the character of God is. Right, pure, lovely, admirable, praiseworthy. If it models the character of God, if it is of God, Paul says, think about these things. Let your mind meditate on those things. Focus on those things. Ladies that were away this week in Max Licato when he talked about walking through the pit. He says, remember who God is. Moments in our lives when we cannot focus on our problems, our challenges, our difficulties, we remember who God is. He says, think about these kind of things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Jesus says in John chapter 14, he says, peace I leave with you. Now hear this, my peace I give to you. My peace I give to you. It is not as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. In the few verses ahead of the ones I just read in Philippians, Paul calls it the peace that passes all understanding. Why does God desire to, for us to be a people of prayer? Why does God build in, why does Jesus build in moments in his life of disconnect and quiet and stillness before God? Because in those moments when we focus not on our struggles, but on our God and his presence in our lives, we begin to experience a peace even in the midst of the ups and downs of life. Even in the midst of the challenges we face, we learn to hear from God. And He speaks in His peace that to the world doesn't make sense because it's not the absence of our problems. It's God's presence in the midst of them. And that is different. But that takes intentionality. God desires to give it, but He's not forcing it down our throats. And sometimes it's hard. And sometimes it challenges us at our very core. But it takes us to a new place. I think I've told you before, when I was in college, I got certified to dive as a scuba diver. And I had an opportunity to go to the Keys for a certification dive. And it was a, it was a dive we got to go down. And, and um, those of you, again, ladies that were there this weekend, Holly Wagner talked about one of those dives where they feed the sharks and they cause the feeding frenzy. It was one of those dives. So we got down there, and, and it was a, a feeding. The dive instructor would go down and start pulling the fish, and he'd coax the eels out of their holes, and the nurse sharks would start to circle around and feed. It was really, really cool. Um, but in the midst of this, Tony and I um, were dating, and we were going with a bunch of college friends. So I talked to my dive instructor, and I said, you know, can my girlfriend come and uh, go with us on the boat? And he's like, yeah, sure, she can come. She can snorkel. And so she came, and... We all go out that day, and it was, um, it was not a peaceful, beautiful day. It was not a storming day. It wasn't the kind of day that caused the trip to be canceled. But it was one of those days, and those of you that, that spent time on the water, when the winds were whipping and the boat was rocking hard. I mean, it was rough, and let's just say nobody felt well. We'll leave it at that for the visual illustration. And um, we got out there in the midst of the misery that most of us were experiencing, we donned our gear and we dropped to 30 feet below the water for the dive. 
You know what it's like 30 feet below? It's calm. It's beautiful. All that rocking and wind and bad weather and bad, all of it just disappeared in those moments for all of us who got to get 30 feet below the water. It didn't mean we weren't going to surface again and have to experience it. But for those moments, we got to experience the peace and tranquility of, of, the, of the ocean. You know who didn't get to experience that peace and tranquility? The, the snorkeler. The snorkeler who got stuck at surface level, who though she got in the water and tried to snorkel, never got below the bounce. To this day, I do not exaggerate, she will not go on a dive boat with me ever, ever again. We've been married 18 years now, and she has not gone on one since. But here's the image. It didn't make the storm go away, the bounce go away, the waves go away. It gave us moments to transcend it and experience peace. Experience a blessing that really made it okay that we were going through that other stuff. Reminded us of something far greater and more important and more powerful about this experience. Prayer does that. God does that. Sometimes God does calm the sea, and that's great. But sometimes in prayer and withdrawal, God reminds us, I'm present with you in the midst of it. I'm here. Hear from me. Remember who I am. And trust in my presence even when you're bouncing and really not feeling so good. That's my prayer for us. I wish for all of us that the seas would always be calm. I wish that was the case, but I know better. When I pray in your life and in my life that we take the moments, maybe they're fleeting, maybe they're not real long, but we take moments to find silence and solitude, to block out the voices of the world so we can tune in to the voice of God who speaks into our lives in the quietness of the moment, his peace. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, that we'd hear that. It's hard and we're busy and, and it's tough to find those times, but remind us how important it is so that in the midst of our lives, we could hear and experience the presence of Christ who is our Prince of Peace and who gives us that peace that is beyond all understanding. We pray it in his holy name. Amen.